Happy Saturday, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Crow's Nest. I'm Kelly J. Lewis, and with me, as always, is Thomas Ware III and Dr. Kevin Crow. So, Dr. Crow, what do you got on deck for us today? Well, you know, one of the things I do is I try to find stuff that are fairly interesting, but have been out a month or two, so if, if there's a chance we don't fly off the handle or it gets debunked or all that, but maybe something that went under the radar for a little while. And this was something that actually came out in April. And, uh, and I think Thomas will like this because it, it kind of hits into what we always think. What's actually, you know, if you look at the movers and shakers, um, what they actually say, and we're not talking about politicians here, we're talking about people that actually influence the politicians. <laughs> and, and of course, um, one of them, of course, we've talked about finance. You know, there's a lot of these, we'll, we'll give a lot of money to both sides when we see this. And in April, um, Goldman Sachs, um, uh, they, they came out talking about... Um, um, th there was a um, some cures that have come out of some new medical research that, that, that's, that's produced some pretty amazing cures, and one of them was for um, one of the uh, one of the deadly forms of hepatitis. Mm -hmm. And actually, major breakthrough. This is, this has to do with biotech breakthroughs and everything. And um, basically, they they have a very simple cure for this now. I mean, this is amazing, life saving, um, you know, medicine and everything. And you're thinking, well, that's great. But here's the thing. Um, Basically, Goldman Sachs came out and said, yeah, the, the, coming up with these like life-saving cures and stuff, this isn't a very good business model. What? So, so the cures are there. The cures are there. But because it's not a good business model, yeah. what, we don't have them? We don't get them? Well, no, we got them. We, we did this for this one. But in the future, you know, sometimes these investments aren't because, uh, again, you've, you've cured them, so there's not much money to be made. And they actually, it gets worse. It gets worse. So they said, maybe we could do with, uh, you know, some of these, again, some of these biotech breakthroughs. They said, maybe for cancer, we can do research there. But they said, you know, it, it really hurts that when they come up with, with breakthroughs for contagious diseases. Because... If you cure a contagious disease, well, then you've really cut into the business model because there's fewer people getting it. Okay, so this is this is what I'm getting out of it. And <laughs> the conspiracy theorist in me, my tinfoil hat went off, you know. Yeah. This is something that's been talked about for years about the cure for AIDS. That this is something that people that are rich and in the know, uh, people like Magic Johnson... Yep. Have have been able to live a healthy life with AIDS whenever everybody else is dying and you know all this kind of stuff. This is and and he's right. It's not a good business model. And this is this is the same reason why we've seen cars that aren't nearly as dependable as they were in the '60s, '70s, and '80s because. They they were making cars so dependable and so easy to fix yourself that they were taking themselves out of that equation. And so now, you know, you make a car out of plastic, it's cheaper, but there's no way you can work on it yourself. That's right. That's you have to of, take it to a specialized exactly. cures, mechanic. Yeah, the cure's that in the, in the dose. The yeah, 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 the cure's in the medication, which which you can't afford the machines to get That's at right. home in That's your own right. garage. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to take it somewhere. But it's just like just like with with, you know, with these cures, the the money's in the in the dose, the money's in the medication, right. it's not in the cure. And again, yeah, and it's again, in it's in the treating the symptoms and right. not the actual problem. Well, that's what that's what you're trying to do. And I think from my personal standpoint, even though even though I'm not native, even though I'm not even though I'm not Native American, 
this affects a lot of Native Americans, and that is, and it affects me, this was one thing I do have in common, and that's being diabetic. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, and of course, I'm type 2, but nevertheless, you know, that's one, if there were a cure, imagine the amount of money that would be lost. Because yeah. for me, I have, you know, five pills alone. How much, How much? you know, has insulin been, mar- uh, yeah. been marked up? It's just, it's all about money. It's all about that greed. And that's, I mean, that's, that is what capitalism is. I mean, it's get as much money out of as little as you possibly can. Well, and look at it this way too. It's not just, it's not just the drugs and the medication. It's everything that goes along with it. It's all of these, um, uh, these special socks and these special chairs and these special, you know, all of these other things that diabetics have to have to continue to maintain even a, a certain quality of life. Well, and the one thing, and this is this is just a fact with any medication, there's always these side effects. So once you start taking this medication, this is going to lead to something else. Uh, again, not that I'm saying that it's designed that way, but nevertheless, it does lead to something else. Yeah. And, and, and again, and it's like you said, you know, capitalism has its pluses. It does. I mean, you know, it can, it can answer stuff really quickly. You can find a solution. But the problem is, is once you've, once you've solved this problem, then, you know, the problem is, where's the profit still? Does that make sense? So, it, so it's good on finding a solution, but the problem is, is, is you know, it, it, once you've saturated the market, once you've got that, then what? And, of course, the best thing is, is to find something else that needs to be fixed, not keep the problem going now what do you think about this Sackler family thing and the Purdue pharmaceuticals and them getting um, accused of creating the opioid epidemic because they're the ones that manufactured the pills not only did they create it but they profited off the treatment of it too Mm -hmm. so they profited all the way through and and with their money they put their family name on I mean, the biggest things, the Guggenheim, they've got things in the Smithsonian, they've got things all over the world. I mean, and and that's what they did with with this, with this, I should, I should say illegal drug money, but illegal, legal drug money. And this Mm -hmm. happens in other industries, too. If you you remember, of course, Enron, not medical, but still, if you remember Enron, up until, literally up until they were closed, and they were as cold-blooded as you can imagine, but up until they were closed... They were being praised for all the philanthropy, uh, all, yes. all the all the all the great gifts, but, all the but tax again, write-offs. Yeah, is that what well, you mean? well, well no, just, just their profits. They'll, they'll I mean, gifts. in other words, yeah, they'll they'll have this much coming in, and they'll give a little penance here, and then that's what they would be remembered for, um, and and everything. So so again, you know that that's just one of those models. But but here's what's spooky. I, I mentioned I mentioned um, Goldman Sachs in particular, but but this gets us to where. The influence actually is, and so, um, and what I should have done was looked at the contributions too. But but here's here's one for you, and this talks about if you want to see how much influence they have. This is the last four administrations: two Democrats, two Republicans. So if we look at the current administration from Goldman Sachs, okay, we have. Uh, first of all, I didn't know Bannon had had been with Goldman Sachs at one oh, time. Oh yeah. Now a- again. You might discount that because that was a long time ago, and he's kind of turned on them. But even if you discount that, here's the other ones that you couldn't discount. So you have Gary Cohn, 
and he was director of National Economic Council and Goldman Sachs president. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And I'm, of course, he's you know he's a main economic uh, policymaker, uh, one of them for 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 Trump right now. You have uh, Stephen Munchen, right? Who was tre- who's, who's Treasury Secretary, and he was a Goldman Sachs partner. Yes. You yes. have James Donovan. He was a nominee for Deputy Treasurer, and he was a Secretary and part and Goldman Sachs partner. You have Dina Powell. He uh, she's um, a Deputy National Secretary Advisor for Strategy, and she was a longtime Goldman Sachs executive. Uh, then we go back to the Obama administration. Notice I'll hit all four. So there's a report. Now let's go to the Obama administration. You had William Dudley. He was a partner at Goldman Sachs, and he was president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Again, you have, of course, this is the big one from from um, from the Obama administration, Gary. Um, uh, Gary G- uh, Gensler, who was who was a Goldman Sachs partner, and he was the chairman of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. So again, and he's one of them who kind of pushed a lot of futures. The, yes, yeah, and of, and that that that's the one thing that that's how I know that the entire thing is a scam because it's based on futures. Like, that's oh, what's it. the future market going to be? It's like <laughs> how. I'm not investing my money so, in that. And so those are the last two. Then we go back to George W. So notice I went Republican, now oh, Democrat, yeah. now another Republican. So you had, had Stephen Friedman. He was co-chairman of, 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 of Goldman Sachs. He was the White House uh, chief economic advisor. You have Joshua Bolton. He was executive again for Goldman Sachs. And he was, again, White House chief of staff for a little while. You had... Uh, Robert uh, Steele. He was vice chairman of Goldman Sachs, and he was the undersecretary of treasury for Bush. Then you had Henry Paulson. There we go. And Paulson, of course, would be guilty for, he would be both, he would be the one that bridged both the Bush administration and the Obama yes, administration. Yes, I was going to so say Henry he Paulson was all over that. For both of them. And, and I really feel like he was a major engineer of the housing crisis because he had his fingerprints well, all over that. you mentioned the housing that. crisis, then we go back finally to the Clinton administration, and there's, there's where you get the biggest of them all. You have Robert Rubin. And of course, Robert Rubin was co-chair for Goldman Sachs. He was the Treasury Secretary, and he's the one who kind of helped engineer, or one of the main people that helped engineer the repeal of the Glass-Steagall, which got us into all this. Yes, and not I'm just have to agree the housing, that. but the stuff that's waiting in the future. I mean, you could trace it right back to you know when you repeal this. And of course, and there's other ones under the Clinton administration. We had we had Kenneth Brody. Uh, he was the management committee for Goldman Sachs, and he was president of the Export Import Bank. And again, a, a Again, you can look at some of the stuff that, that that traces back to some of the shenanigans in the Clinton administration. So that's the last four Jesus. administration, two Republican, two Democrats. And you also see these people not only come out of Sachs, a lot of, some of them will go back into Sachs. Oh, yeah. They, they do go it all the Sachs. time. And in fact, um, there are some – in fact, uh, there were a couple of uh, Trump guys who just went to uh, one of the big lobbying firms um, – Geez, that what? Which was that? Rob Porter. Yeah, he went. He just went to a major lobbying firm, and another one. I want to say it might have been Sean Spicer, but um, it, it's one of Maybe the one PR of or something it was. Yeah, it know. was. It was one of those. But they're lobbying now, and it's like, well, and that's what we have in our state. I mean, our state is even a better example than the federal government on that. I mean, they they almost all you know some well not all but 
a good percentage go in again right for lobbying. Oh yeah, and and you know that was the one thing that I was I so hated to miss for the Oklahoma Policy Institute state budget uh, policy meeting. I so wanted to go to that because I was like I wanted to watch the lobbyists work. Yeah. I just want to watch them like for sport. You know, well, I just I want to see them grovel in their thousand dollar suits. And the thing is, <laughs> the lobby, and, and, and if you've ever been up to the um, you know at, at, at the Capitol and stuff, mm -hmm. you can see uh, how many meals they serve. The oh, lobby. And yeah. They're, they're, and I did this accidentally one time. I remember I had to go with, um, oh, we have a, uh, at the Capitol, they have a, a, a day for, for the students where they have these projects. And so for one time I got to be an advisor for one of the students. So we were told, okay, we're going to have dinner at such and such a time. And, um, you know, I actually misread stuff sometime, and I hit the wrong floor. So I went in this room where I thought they were feeding. I thought, man, this is amazing. Look at how well they're treating the students and, and all this. And so the student <laughs> I was with, I mean, we got this big dinner. We were stuff, and then we realized, you know, this was actually for some of the state senators and stuff, and it was, for, it, it was a bunch of lobbyists and stuff. And I would have never seen this had I not accidentally walked in. I hope they don't try to hunt me down now. For that. But, but, but again, that was totally accidental. But, but you see this, and it's just, it's it's... It's an auction, is what it is. Very much. And it's weird. You know, we always hit, and I'm not saying that, I'm not defending these industries, but we always we always talk about big oil or um, big pharma big or big pharma. But the fact is, it's all the industries. I mean, it's industries we don't even think of that do this. Oh yeah, and you know, one of the things that really alarms me, um, just and and I'm just hearing like. Okay, so, you know, just in the last week, um, diapers have gone up, toilet yes, paper, yes. paper, all of the Coke Brother products have gone up, all of them. And, and these aren't, these aren't, you know, these are products that normal, everyday, average people use. Yes. These aren't stuff and that... It, it goes back to what we've been necessities. saying. Necessities. Yes. When I said about devaluating the currency... And we're going to double the prices. Like I said, people don't, you know, they'll report, well, you know, cars aren't any more expensive. Houses aren't any more expensive. Nobody can afford those because there's still the market forces. If you can't afford it, there is, you know, th then there is supply and demand. But anything like you said, you have to have. Yes. You have to have diapers. You have to, if you got kids. I know people say, we use cloth ones. Obviously, those people don't have kids. <laughs> but anyway, let's say something. Yeah, that, yeah. that person I romanticizes guess, that. In the... Theoretically, that's possible, but if you have kids, you'll understand why it's not. I mean, we're not—we're no longer in 1890. <laughs> Dr. Crow, so, yeah. you didn't use cloth diapers no, for your No, I'm, I, I will say this, and, and, and you know, there's. Yeah, I remember one time I was—I um, used to be opposed to, um, and, and if you can stay away from them, and I get this, but I used to be opposed to. Um, um, Oh, weed killers, okay? Uh -huh. I understand. And it's yeah. probably, and if you can get away from using it, that's good. But the thing is, I remember one time when I, I had a, and, and luckily I, I just bought a small yard now. I have a real little yard, so I don't have to worry about this. But when I lived in Arkansas, I had a giant yard, and it would take me forever to mow and everything. So I finally got, yeah, I'm going to have to kill this grass. And, and people said, well, you know, that, that could cause cancer and stuff. And I started thinking, well, yeah. I could die of cancer at 90, or I could drop dead of you know heat exhaustion right now. And I thought, so sometimes that's the way I feel about, about diapers, too. I, you know, there's, there's cost and benefit sometimes. It's kind of kind of worth the... Yeah, you have... Yeah. What, how many kids again? I got six. Yeah, you understand. Yes, no cloth yes. diapers. We're not doing cloth diapers. No, we're not doing cloth <laughs> No, no, no. Especially no. when you have more than one in diapers at a yeah, time, that's right? right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was a good stretch there where we had two in, in diapers for a you, while. You are a better so. man 
them than me. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. But uh, but uh, you know, but those but those kinds of things, the the things that normal average everyday right. people, and dare I say, broke people. That's the, right. The people who are on assistance, the people who have small children who need to be on WIC and different things like that. These are the people that it's impacting it to raise these prices. And it's like I said, I'm starting to. I, I'm very, you know, my my tinfoil hat, you know, and my conspiracy theory going off. It's it's like I said, everything I see is very Sun Tzu. Everything, yep. you know, from starving us out, dividing, divide and conquer, to starving us well, out, to, and you there's, know. There's this other thing that we don't watch out too. I mean, and this is both sides in different ways. But, but for example, one of the things is this, you know, I believe in having a government that functions where... We take care of the essentials. There's just things that we have to. I'm not a libertarian. I'm not thinking, well, always the private sector can do it better. Often it can. And when it can, I'm all for it. But there are certain things, you know, like infrastructure, you know, um, roads, sewage, things of this nature that are necessity. And what gets me is, is, is how now when we have a little bit of money, we spend it on the bells and whistles. It's, it's like, you know, these people want, you know, things that, that, I don't know, beautification or whatever that helps their business first because it'll make the town look better. Well, that's nice. Painted buffaloes? That's it. Oh. Things of that nature. <laughs> oh, but, the buffaloes. The I guess if you have everything else paid for, then we can have the debate on that. But until we have sewage systems yes. that work, until you have... The necessities. Let's not talk about beautification. Well, and and here's education, public yeah, education. I, I'm I'm for that That's too. Right. So let's let's uh, talk about a story that was in the news this last week about military housing. Did you see um, the oh, story yeah, about that? Yeah. Where uh, where private contractors, yes. private contractors hired by the military went out and built these homes that are now um, infested with yes. rodents and bed bugs and black mold and things like that and that those are all directly related to how these homes were built oh yeah and and yeah. it's all comes down to the contractors well, and, goes, and and so who's accountable i mean these, they've got kids when, here when you make when you mention the contractors that's it here's the thing if somebody wants and again i'm usually a small government person you know how conservative i am but if you want to find one thing where the where the that works in government and used to Republicans be on board this too. It'd be military. Once we started privatizing parts of that, that's when it became more inefficient. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, when I was little, um, my dad was a CB in the Navy, and, and we were stationed on. He was in, on Midway Island, and it was an active base at that time. And there was a water tower there. And uh, and of course, what happened was uh, they needed that water tower taken down. And to get a contractor, a private contractor to come and look at it was going to be over a quarter of a million dollars. Now, this yeah. was in 1972, I think. Wow. Okay, not to get it taken down, to get it looked at. No telling what it would be nowadays. So, you know, a quarter of a million would be probably two and a half million in nowadays. Two and a half billion, probably. Oh, yeah. That's, the, that old, that's the old million dollar uh, toilet, That right? was it, mm -hmm. to come look at it. So what my dad did on his own time, on his weekend off, he went and got one of the members of the CB team, and they just went out and took the tower down. <laughs> and as he That's said, military efficiency right said, there. As he said, that paid for his pension and then 10 times more, just that one afternoon. But that was it. I mean, he just handled it himself. And, 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 and again, that's what used to happen. Um, but this makes us, this puts us at kind of, this is very dangerous when it comes to national security because 
now, for example, um, even if you look at how we, if we look at rapid transport, you know, getting soldiers places, we've privatized to such a point that we re- we would rely on on um, on um, airlines and stuff to transport soldier soldiers instead of having that equipment ourselves. And yes. Stuff. Now we still have transport, but again. A lot of a lot of our uh, what am I trying to say? A lot of our logistical stuff has been privatized. That's yes, very dangerous. It very much is, That's and very and dangerous. I'm and I'm not for privatizing all that. Now I, I'm you know I know a lot of people think that Democrats are just let's let's throw government into everything, and I think government could run more efficiently. But I'm ending. No, <laughs> I don't want no. the I don't want the federal government. I want them as least involved with me as I possibly yeah, can yeah. because if they start to notice me, then that then they That's they well, and goes, historically when they notice Indians, those Indians don't fare very well. Yeah. <laughs> but but again, mm-hmm. the, the proper role for government and, and and this is and this is something we forget either way. You know, even Adam Smith, you know, one of the fathers of mm-hmm. modern capitalism, even he said this. He says. Government should do those things that the private sector either cannot or will not do. And the thing is, we forget that, that there are things that private sector just isn't going to, there's, there's nothing profitable about it. It's not good at it. And we forget that. And when it comes to things like defense or a lot of infrastructure stuff, it's better handled um, publicly as opposed to privately. Well, and to me... I mean, you're going to put your soldiers, those people who you expect to go overseas and just fight, just go on these orders to go and fight and possibly lose their lives and leave their families and their homes and everything. And they can't even trust the condition of their of their home. I mean, how how does that affect the mind of a soldier who can't think about what he's doing and he needs to be in that moment? But, oh, my God, my kids are sick because of the black mold and what am I going to do about military housing because my spouse isn't the one in the military so they're just basically stuck oh yeah yeah well, you know and then, and then even the other thing that we'll see instead of having again military housing a lot of times they'll say well we'll have more of them living off base and we'll give them a, um, a an stipend allowance. yeah but what happens is and I, I have a former student right now he's in the air force uh he's he he he's he's stationed at the base it's in northern california so they said, well, we're going to have to have you off base. Well, they gave him a stipend, but the thing is, yeah, rentals in Northern California, I mean, Expensive. You know, you're talking $3,500, $3,600 a month. What? It would be much cheaper to have military housing than, than to do that. Well, and here's another thing, too, and getting back to the military, the privatizing yeah. that military housing, you didn't hear about this, you didn't hear about this stuff 30 years ago. Yeah. That's before right. before all of this privatization and and really if you can get your 8A status which allows you to be a government contractor you can basically write your ticket that's it. And you That's can it. basically say, hey, this is what I'm charging you. And, you know, if it's a bid process, you can do whatever I mean, you got to do. And it, all, it's it's really a dirty business. I think the, 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 the place probably for the private sector in contracts are projects that are temporary or one time or something like that. But if it's something that has to be maintained all the time, the government's better at it. I mean, at, at things of that nature. Again, I think temporary ones, or if this is one time, there's no reason to create a new agency to do this. No. Go and privatize it. But if it's something, like you said, that's a long-term commitment, um, and especially things like roads, and you'll see this, you notice 
State. Let's go to state stuff. Okay. You notice roads once upon a time when you had, you know, when, when you would have, you know, the state doing this and how well they were maintained. And then when you start contracting it out and you see how long those roads last. Oh, I, I, I totally get that. I mean, especially doing what we do for the tribes and having to look at a lot of cultural reports and, and different things like that and trying to look at a lot of stuff that ODOT and TexDOT and uh, New Mexico, NMDOT, I guess yum, yum. you would call it, call, you know, in the Colorado DOT. I mean, there's... Yeah, and and there there are a lot of projects that they're just they're redoing over and over, and, over. and they do that here in Caddo County and in Grady County. I mean, look at I mean, you see, I don't know a whole lot about patching roads and construction, <laughs> yes, yes. but I do know that you're supposed to get a big giant roller to roll that that's right, stuff that's right. over instead of so just stuffing it in instead there, instead of just, just packing it down with your shovel and, and hoping the hot Oklahoma sun melts it down enough to where it doesn't destroy the paint on the first. Hundred cars uh, that drive over it. And again, I will say most things, private sector will be more efficient, probably cheaper, all that. But there are certain things, no way. There are certain things that you just have to, you know, you have to look at this. Well, and you want to look at it this way. I mean, the private sector, them privatizing a lot of stuff in Detroit exacerbated their water issues. Yeah. Well, and see, that's the other thing, too. The most dangerous thing is when you have that collusion, and, and this is what's bad. This is being pushed by both Democrats and Republicans now, but you have to really watch those collusion between public and private. Because then what happens is you have um, this private profit motivation, but then, then you've hooked in this unlimited funds of public funds. And that's just a bad combination waiting to happen. And we, you know what? But it's pervasive. It it's, is. It's, and, and we've already so seen all it. All the time. And again, this is what scares me with politics. And again, this could be both parties are guilty of this, where it's becoming, you know, politics becomes, well, we want our guy to win so we can get those contracts, whatever. And this is dangerous. This is this is a dangerous thing. Now, with the with the few remaining minutes we have on this week's episode, I want to ask you about this crazy um, legal uh, trouble that Trump's finding himself in this week with um, wanting to install one of his cronies over the Michael Cohen investigation, and then uh, acting Attorney General Whitaker going in front of Congress and saying, no, he didn't, and now they're saying, oh, he might have perjured himself. So what is all that? How does all that kind of shake out? I think if we went, if we got everybody, this isn't offensive, but I think if we got everybody who's perjured themselves in the last year, both sides, we're not going to have too many people left anyway. Let's see. That's true, but but, but, but the yeah. underlying issue, the underlying issue of all of it is, I mean, and we're talking about this now, you know, using your influence to subvert the responsibility of breaking the law. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Because if... I mean, we all, we, and you know what, we all employ cronyism and things like that. But, I mean, shouldn't there, shouldn't the office of the president be held to a higher standard than that? Yeah, you know, I, th I think the thing we have to watch out for, and I do agree, but I think the thing that we have to watch out for is get them on real charges. Does that make sense? And, and again, both parties have been guilty of this next thing. Not our goal is to get them. Does that make sense? Because a lot of times, and we saw this with Clinton too, I mean with Clinton's people, um, there would be a, an attempt 
let's get them on this charge. If we can't get them on the charge that we want to go after, let's just get them on this charge. Does yeah. yeah. That's the other danger, too. Like getting Al Capone on the tax. That's the, yeah. That's the yeah. Tax yeah. Tax. No, no, again, if it's somebody like Al Capone that's killing people, then you do tr- something like that, whatever <laughs> yeah. gets them. But I think a lot of times if, we're, if we can't get, you know, you, you see this, and this is the danger in, in prosecution prosecutors in general, is they're judged by how well they, how many people they can get. Yeah, and again, why this is happening to Trump's administration right now? We got to remember this happened to the Clinton administration earlier. It's not right either way. Does that make sense? Oh no, and but you know, as far as Al Capone goes, that guy died way before I was born. Trump's the here and the now, and that's what I'm worried about because it's just like you know. Even Bush, who I just absolutely wholeheartedly almost disagreed with everything that uh, W did, and uh, I disagreed with a lot of his father's decisions too, but uh, I I wasn't really old enough when his father was in office to really have a good grasp of the entire political landscape at that point, but you know... it's just like I still don't. Do I? Do I? Am it scares me to think that I'm missing the days of W. What's ha- What's happening to me? <laughs> that's a scary part of it for me. So, um, but that's gonna do it for us in this week. We had a great conversation. Um, yeah. So make sure that you watch that uh, in the upcoming appointments. And of course, once 2020 hits, we didn't even get to talk about 2020 today. Yes. We didn't even touch it. And, and we have a new. Didn't even get to talk about. And and Bernie's back. Burn. I didn't even get to talk about that. So yeah, next week. Um, yes, next <laughs> week. Uh, make sure that you join us uh, every week at noon, straight up Central Time. And if you miss any of the live broadcasts, make sure that you uh, check out our podcast tab. All you got to do is go to the Talk Jive homepage, click the podcast tab, choose where you get your podcasts, and uh, listen all day because every uh, past episode of The Crow's Nest is right there. So that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for joining us for Kelly J. Lewis, who's me, Dr. Kevin Crow, and Thomas Ware III. Thank you very much. Have a great day.